It has happened. After over 400 games I've been to, I finally caught a ball, Figgy, and it was a Jazz Schism Jr. home run ball off of Jacob DeGrom on a 100-mile-an-hour heater. What a moment. A little debate keeping balls versus throwing them back on the field like you're supposed to. The fumbling of Sunday suspended game. The sleeping Mets bats and look ahead to the series against the Phillies. We'll also chat with friend of the program, 1986 World Series champion, the legendary Doc Gooden. Lots to do, so let's talk Mets baseball next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Figgy and Y. New episodes Mondays and Thursdays. Hank Azaria will join us this Thursday, so please stay tuned for that. Super Mets fan, Brock Meyer, all the voices in The Simpsons. Today, Doc Gooden, friend of the program, Mets legend, is going to join us later in the show. Figgy, Doc is always a terrific conversation, but I was the talk of the town on Saturday. You were down in Florida, and here it is. Jake Brown, 400-plus times at a game. Never got a ball off the bat from a foul or whatever it may be. Got a coach to throw me once at Shea Stadium. Roy White, Mets Yankees, Shea Stadium, like 2004 Whenever it was, 13 years old. But Saturday, Jazz Schism Jr. hits a home run off Jacob DeGrom. 100.4 mile an hour fastball. High, up at the letters. And he crushes it 401 feet. And where does the ball end up? In my fat fingers. How does it happen? I don't know, Figgy. But whoa, what a whirlwind. Did you ever catch a ball in your life as a fan? No, never. I I always used to sit in the upper decks as well, you know, growing up a kid in Shea Shea Stadium. Where I sat would take a lot to be a home run ball. It would also take a lot to be a a foul ball into that upper deck area. So I never caught a ball. I did get a ball from Bobby Valentine. I was sitting in the box seats one day, third baseline. Bobby Valentine tossed me a ball, and I told him that story. Um, After I had signed with the Mets, I went over and saw him in big league camp side because Dotel was up in big league camp. And I said to him, hey, Bobby, you know, you tossed me a ball when I was a kid, and I had it and my coach let it kind of roll off the train i was heading back uh, on the seven line and my coach was smoking in between the doors had it open and i dropped the ball and it rolled all the way through i was like i lost that ball he's like oh don't worry someday maybe i'll give you another one kid and that never happened but bobby valentine was definitely my favorite third base coach of all time when he gave me that i was number two as well so and he wore number two i remember that vividly but Congratulations to you, Jake, that you didn't catch the ball, but you picked up the ball in the upper deck over at the uh, Coke Corner, as they say. Or is it Pepsi Porch now? Which is it? I think it's the Coke Corner. But let me tell you, play by play. First off, Coke Corner is a solid seat because I was row one. The first row is a good seat. When you're higher up, I get it. That's pretty high. It's not like the true upper deck. They call it that, but the promenade is the real upper deck. There's no, you can't hit a home run up there. Well, you can in left field, I guess, but they, they don't really go up there unless it's the home run derby or batting practice so the the story of how i got the tickets and how i ended up going was bizarre basically i i the tickets on StubHub and the secondary markets were going for close to a hundred dollars just for the nosebleeds just to sit in what we were just talking about the home run of left field 538 promenade way up there 75 to 100 just to get in a lot of people going because good weather bad weather came sunday which we'll talk about in a minute 
And uh, they were just a lot. I would have had to pay $80, $70 each. I search Mets tickets on Twitter and click latest and just find anyone selling tickets. This dude, shout out to Nikki Jones, Nick Jones on Twitter, posted Friday. So a day before he had posted a pair for $30 for the pair. I'm like, has this kid looked at stuff up? Uh, he could make a lot more. Maybe he didn't want it. He maybe wanted them to go to a fan, a follower. You know, I respect that. Didn't want to give him secondary market. Some people don't know how to sell those on the secondary market. So his error, not error, but whatever he did was my gain. It was my good fortune. So he tweets me back. I opened up the DMs, which was a, a bad day to do it because then I ended up getting other DMs. But <laughs> but uh, so I opened DMs, DMs, and then sends them to me. 15 bucks, 30 for a pair. I gave him an extra five. He could get himself some chicken nuggets or a happy meal later on. Sent him 35 bucks. A girl came with me, and we had a great time. So you get there. I tweet out a picture saying, Look for me in home run ball. I'm in the Coke corner, row one. And about within 10 to 15 minutes later, I tweeted that maybe bottom of the first, top of the second, shizzum, boom. Two strikes, 100.4 mile an hour fastball. It's coming up. Here's my mindset. My first mindset was get a hat, scoop it, because you might end up on Sports Center. I'm thinking it's going to come right in front of me. It starts elevating above me. I'm like, no way I get this unless the people behind me are inept, can't catch, or it just bounces to me. I think it went two to three rows behind me. And it, I think it bounced close to the aisle. It was all just a blur. None of them get it. I'm like, how did no one get this? It's coming to the aisle. On the video afterwards, you see a guy from behind me coming closer in my row. And it's socially distanced. So he's like 10 seats away from me. And this guy's sneaking up, giving me a sneak attack. And then the girl I'm with, she's hiding. She's in hiding because she's afraid she's going to get hit. I reach over her grab it from the aisle. It was probably a three or four bouncer and get it. And I can't celebrate because the second I grab it, I'm getting yelled at by people, throw it back. So they're yelling at me and I'm feeling all the peer pressure in the world, Figgy. Like I got all these hooligans yelling at me to the point when I post on Instagram later on, a girl who follows me who sits in field level said I was one of the people yelling at you. So not only do I have the whole Coke corner yelling at me, I got all the city field. Imagine if this place was packed. I mean, I might have not got it if there were 40,000 people there, but there's 8,000 people yelling, throw it back. And I'm like, no, this is a big moment for me. I've spent five figures in money to go to Mets games, over 400 baseball games. I, I don't, I've lost count. I try to go to 20 to 40 a year. It depends on the year and where I live, but I try to go a lot and figgy. I know it's an opposing homer, but when you get your first ball, there is no chance you're throwing it back. And I wasn't considering it. So I yell at the people, you know, behind me. I said, I've been over 400 Mets games in my life. I'm not throwing the ball back. I might have said a profanity after. That no. Would, I might have something that rhymes with uh, duck a flick. Um, something yeah. that rhymes with that. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I might have yelled at them. And I might have not yelled that. I might have said that softer. To, <laughs> and to the point where, bro, the whole game, eighth inning was coming. It's still one off, and they're yelling it. And the girl I'm with gives them the finger. So shout out to her. She gives them nice. the finger. Um, so she's got my back. But during the game, I hear them yelling, your girlfriend's going to break out with you. You're, you're a little baby. She's going to break out with you. Throw it back. What? She's not, she doesn't des you don't deserve her. They're saying that the whole game with me. And I'm like, I'm just going to be chilling. And listen, this was a Cubs thing, Figgy. The Cubs yep. initiated this. Oh, so that's why you don't want to do it. Oh, so here's where the debate comes in. Now we get to the debate. Um, and then I tweet it, blows up. Keith Oberman quote tweeted it. Laura Albanese uh, from, I think, Newsday 
writers. It was like the talk of Twitter. It's got over 3,000 likes. And I think a lot of, most people did agree. They said, sanity, good for you. Congrats. Like, it's a cool moment. Um, even if it wasn't off the air, which some people still think I think I caught it. But if you see the video, I clearly didn't catch it on a fly. But, you know, the sanity prevails is what Laura said. And don't throw it back. Also, you get thrown out. Five to ten minutes later, security comes down to me and says, you weren't planning to throw that back, right? Because if I did, I'm getting tossed. Meanwhile, it's a beautiful, gorgeous day at City Field, which we're getting none of, and we can just get a rain out, and I would have been thrown out of the game. This is like, what you know, I'm not getting thrown out of a beautiful game and a DeGrom start on top of it. So I'm thinking Jacob DeGrom was the last person to touch this ball. I'm keeping this. And the other layer of the story, I know I'm, I'm ranting and raving here, but I'm almost done. Gary Cohen called it his first career homer off the bat. And I'm like, oh no. It was his third, not his first, but because people have such short attention spans, they stopped listening when Gary Cohen corrected himself within a minute later and said it was his third. I'm sorry about that. So I had that as well with exchanging the ball with it. Then I learned it became the first 0-2 pitch DeGrom's ever given up a homer figgy. It was the fastest pitch thrown that was hit for a homer in the stat cast error. All these stats that came around with it and cool things. But in the end, I'm keeping the ball unless I'm offered $1,000. for If Jazz Shism, who liked the post, he liked my Instagram and he's like to tweet he knows about it if he offered a grand I'll sell it that I could pay my rent for the month of May and I would do that but otherwise Figgy no chance in the world I was throwing that back two words no balls that's what you have Jake if you're a real fan a real fan you say so what to being in the coke corner upper deck whatever you want to call it, promenade level, reaching over. You didn't catch it on the fly, first of all. And it was sparse with fans, you know, sprinkled here and there. The ball happened to roll your way. The girl you were with could have probably caught it if you gave her room and you didn't block her out because you were probably screaming and yelling. I can't believe for a second that you as a real Mets fan, sure, grab the ball. Great. You know what? Make the moment immortal. Do a selfie with the ball. Then throw that thing back as hard as you can. Try and hit Jazz Chisholm before he scores. That's what a real fan would have done. That's what a oh, real okay. fan Okay, so let me get tossed and then go to jail for hurting a player in the process. That makes no sense. I've seen you throw. There was no shot you were getting to him at third base. You've never seen me throw. Get the hell out of here. Coke corner to third base. Your name's not Roberto Clemente. You ain't making that throw, bro. Oh, Let's I was hitting real. the second baseman. I could throw a laser. I could throw it far, bro. I just did. You know what? That's why you didn't do it. Because you didn't want to You to throw it. And everybody's like, oh, and you throw like a girl, too. And then that would have been it. You would have been really embarrassed all the way over. As somebody who has given up a lot of souvenirs into the stands, I respect every single one of them that gets thrown back. And some of them have actually made it into the infield, which is quite impressive. So I tip my cap to those fans who say, hey, you know what? I didn't like the fact that that ball left the yard. I'm throwing it back. They had the balls to do it. The only ball. And did you say they exchanged the ball for you? They gave you a different ball? No. Oh, I thought you said they they exchanged it because it was his first home run, they thought. It was his third. So, no, no, no. If it was okay. his first, they probably would, definitely would have came to Then me. I would have went really over the top that it was, oh, I got an exchanged ball. That's worthless. That wasn't – if you caught the ball in your glove because you didn't bring a glove to the game because why would you do that? You can't eat with a glove on. You need both your hands true. to eat the amount of food that you eat. Very true. You did not seal the deal. Catch that ball on the fly. Be a man. Take it off the chest. 
Catch it in your beer. That's more impressive. None of that happened. Therefore, end of which the crawling actually on the ground. Se- I actually to had a ball. seltzer, not a beer. It was a coarse seltzer. They were giving out the free vouchers. <laughs> I got. An- I got another it's free. Worse. I got another free voucher for a coarse seltzer. Two straight games. So I'm. I'm oh my gosh. Uh, so now we have a seltzer involved. We have a girl who has to then come to your defense and flick off people, which is great. You know what the bleacher creatures in Yankee Stadium would have done to you? You would have been tossed over. Tossed over, literally, right over there. Oh, the so because other teams copied the Cubs, it's not a thing. You keep the ball. What's the reason to get thrown out of the game? There's no reason. And then on top of it, oh, look at my brass cojones because I throw the ball. You like that, Spanish Academy? Cojones. That means balls. Yes, that's right. Uh, needless to say, you had a chance to become immortal. And you could have tweeted it. I am I immortal. Brown, stand for something. Now you tweeted out, look at me, I caught a ball. You didn't catch the ball. You could have been immortal, Jake. I had Every the first fan 0-2 would have been pitch. Like, oh, my God, what do you do? Oh, I'm Jake Brown. I do the podcast with Nelson. <gasps> Holy cow. We would have got 8,000 more because it wasn't 20, 40,000. But we got 8,000 more followers just by that. But no, you took the high road. Oh, look at me. I got a ball in the upper deck to seats I paid $30 for. That baseball might be worth more than $30. Exactly. So why would I throw it back? It could be the only 0-2 pitch DeGrom ever gives up for Homer in his life. I could have history right now in my hands. Like, I could have it. And who touched it last? Maybe the best pitcher of all time. He touched it. No, no. Jake Chisholm's bat touched it. That's not a human being. That's an object. That's who touched it. Oh, he touched the hell out of it right up into the promenade. DeGrom's fingers were all over that thing. And it's not as scuffy and dirty, I guess, because they change balls so much. But All the time. It looks like a fresh ball. I can't tell that it's juiced. I guess someone said the seams seem bigger on these balls or something. And you didn't even get it authenticated, did you? Where do I go? Behind the dugout and say, hey, can you guys authenticate this? No, no. Literally, the ushers will call down and the authenticator will come and put a sticker on it so that you know it's a real ball. I don't think they do that during COVID season. I'm I'm pretty sure that if you went to guest services, they would hook you up. But however, of which I'm glad you have the ball. I'm glad you have it on your mantle. It'll be a nice piece to always talk about. And if that girl ever goes out with you again, (laughs) good luck. Oh, please. (laughs) Listen, listen, you could say all you want. You also had to factor in, and I wasn't going to yell this because it would have just been ridiculous. But you yelled something about ducks and six. Well, I, I couldn't yell, guys, I work in sports media at the New York Pulse. I did have the other, the one your cousin made, the shirt on, underneath my jersey. So they did see my face on my own shirt with your face. I could have said, look, guys, you do the show with Nelson Figueroa, the former Mets pincher. I didn't say that, but I could have said, listen, I can't risk, you know, what if PR find we never get a current player because I'm the guy that threw a ball back on the field and hit Michael Conforto. If I hit Michael Conforto, Mets fans would have gave me a round of applause at this point. No, you bo- might have won the game if you did that. Yeah, because they're booing him off the field because he, he's left guys on base one week into the season. They would have they would have put me in the Mets Hall of Fame, the Mets Twitter Hall of Fame if I hit him. But I also would have been arrested. Like, I would have been the GOAT. Stop with the arresting. It's like Disney jail, bro. Listen, I'm not trying to be in Disney jail. Do not pass 200 when you pass go 
Do not pass the pass. Give me thirty dollars and you pass go for the two tickets. Um, just bro, I, I there was no way I could ever. Even if I listen, even if I sit there tomorrow night, which the kid has the tickets available again, I'm debating going again with the potential of catching another one. I will not go it back. Guys, are getting their tickets for thirty bucks on the internet. Yeah, and guess what? I ain't gonna throw it back Tuesday either. I'm gonna keep it, and then I might just have to move to different seats so I don't get yelled at for the rest of the game. But it's gonna be probably some season ticket all now i want to go back just for the fun of it if a ball does come all right that, 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 look i'm calling uncle on this one let's move on you gave us a great feel of what it's like to be a fan who's endured 400 games both wins and losses and finally got your chance to feel what a baseball major league baseball feels like so uh, uh, kudos kudos to you i'll give you that but as a fan fan Ah, maybe, maybe, maybe next time, maybe next time you'll give into the peer pressure because you're not a guy who gives into peer pressure. And then people saying real fan, huh? Yeah. You want to know how real fan I am? I took out a personal load to go to the playoffs in 2015. I went to every game except the World Series game they won. You want to say I'm not a fan? Check my personal loan statement for going to that game. $2,500 personal loan. I took it a loan to go to Mets games. You want to know how big a fan that is? That's a real fan. Uh, see, right right there, uh, I'm not with you. If you took out a personal loan from somebody involved with the Russian mafia, then that shows cojones. Because oh that's where I want to see here I want to goes. see you make a shot. I will never throw it back, and I will keep yeah. everyone. And Moving on to Jacob oh. DeGrom. And, oh, my goodness. My poor Jacob DeGrom. Um, listen, it's happened to a lot of us throughout our careers, and it's never happened to me at the major league level because I just wasn't that good. But I have had times where I have pitched very well and had nothing to show for it. And in this day and age of – Wins don't matter. Jacob DeGrom continues to do what he can do, control what he can control. He gave up one run on the home run. Congrats, Jake. At the same time, he is someone that is at another level when it comes to the mental side of the disappointing, disappointing effort by the offense every single time he pitches. You just don't, it doesn't make any sense, right? If he's matched up, it doesn't matter who he's matched up against that night. He could be matched up against the, the other team's number one, against a Scherzer, against you know Strasburg, against Nola. He could be matched up against those guys. He's still going to have very little room for error. You would think when he's facing another team's four or five or even a rookie pitcher who's never pitched in the big leagues before, it would be a little bit easier, right? The team would pounce on that guy for a couple of runs, and all DeGrom has to do is beat DeGrom, and he'd win. And it never seems to happen. That's got to be the most frustrating thing on the planet. And kudos to DeGrom for being able to weather the storm because it is every single outing he seems to get two runs or less at this point in his career. He is doing it all for himself. I mean, he started the rally to get on base, and they still couldn't score. It's hard to watch, but here's the thing. We're almost immune to it. Like, I was like, kind of like, huh? Whatever. I mean, you're so used to it that you you like almost expect it first and third, no outs. Oh, they're not scoring here, which is frustrating because he's the only guy they do. Any other pitchers on the mound Saturday, and oh, yeah. they're scoring at least three or four runs in those situations. And we always say they're leaving the seven-line army. At least I always say. They're always leaving the seven-line army in the base path, and it's just <laughs> inning after inning. And like even when he tries to do it himself, they won't help his case. So it's hard to watch. I mean, we saw Lindor lay down a beautiful bunt Saturday, too, which we've talked about it. The bunt is probably my favorite play in baseball. I want to see more of it, and the Mets are going to have to do all they can to push one, two runs across. 
Ross, Edwin Diaz, who I said has the most electric walk-up music. By the way, we might have to donate $5 every time I say electric because Thursday's show, I think I said it 74 times. Um, (laughs) So I got to be careful. I got to find synonyms for electric. But his walk-in music happened again was another word for electric. And then... And then he sa- and then he saved my case by not making the homer the only run. That was when people started to stop yelling at me when it was three nothing versus one nothing. So thank you to Edwin Diaz for giving up a few there. And obviously already here in the booze, man. Yeah. Everybody. You got him, you got Diaz, you got Conforto getting booed every time now. That it's it's a sickening thing when you're at home to boo your hometown team. Yes. If it's in the moment of where they should be booed for a play or lack of hustle or lack of effort. Sure. You get to boom, but do you stay booing them for the rest of the time? Like that's a cool thing. I don't know when this started, but I am not a fan of this and I, I don't care how much money someone is being made or, or is making. I really feel like you have no idea the amount of pressure and as if they're not trying and they're paid professionals, they shouldn't be trying, but they should be able to, to do more of. I can't there's no way i can get on board fans booing their players um way too early in the there's season. times for it that's the thing it's they're yes. two and absolutely three. absolutely in the moment yes three. but i was not one of those people booing diaz or conforto especially conforto i mean listen the bats are slow the season started off delayed everything going on can we give it at least 10 games 20 games five games with three delayed and now one rained out suspended it's just too early and too it's lunacy to me it's something yankee fans do not mets fans the way the season has started the stopping and starting and stopping and starting it's it's bad for everybody it's bad for everybody it's it's not something you're comfortable with it's it's tough to stay sharp the the beauty of having a routine in baseball because it's a long season the longest season of any sport that routine is something that you're used to that the waking up at the same time, going to bed at the same time. That's something that if you're uh, a player who's regimented like that, and most people are throwing that off just a little bit, an off day feels strange to you. Like you don't know what to do with yourself on an off day. You're like, all right, it's 12 o'clock. I'm starting to get dressed. Cause I'm going to go to the ballpark. Oh wait, it's an off day. What am I going to do myself now? That is where they're at right now. They're still trying to find some kind of routine, some kind of, uh, where they can continue doing it and it's a regular thing and the weather isn't helping the way they're swinging the bats sure isn't helping you know the pitchers too you who's getting in games and who's not getting in games when that guy finally makes his first appearance of the year he hasn't pitched for two and a half weeks now you know that's something that really has to you got to put into consideration and the average fan or below average fan you know rants and raves and you know it says they're done with the team after five games i think you know that they get on a nice little streak. They play two straight weeks of baseball games that they'll be much, much better. The, the bats will be better. This team is not going to not hit. I'm sorry. There's just too many good hitters on this team. The case last year, it wasn't about hitting. It was about scoring runs. So that's what I need to see. I need run production. Don't, don't talk to me about hits. Yeah, singles are nice. You know, double with, with nobody out is great. But give me that double with the bases drunk. That's what I want. That's what I need more of. I need guys being driven in, and especially by the guys that are being counted on, a la Conforto, a la the middle of that lineup. That's the guys that really need to to 
carry this team. It's, I like the depth, don't get me wrong, but I'm not looking for the seven, eight, nine hole hitters, especially when the pitcher who has as many hits as Michael Conforto, when it's Jacob DeGrom, that's something that can't be happening, even if it's only been five games. I had to get drunk after the game to deal with the the, the amount of guys you left, know the pressures. left on the base pass. Yeah, I, I know about it, Figgy. And, you know, Sunday was just a disgrace across the board. And I said it last year, and, and I'm not going to overreact and say this year, but the overall scheme of things tells me that Luis Rojas is just in over his head right now. I mean, there was no reason. I knew the weather. I mean, I didn't need to hit up Al Roker. I knew Sunday was not being played. Of course, whoever d- decided to start it, whether it was Ron Culpa, whether it was Sandy Alderson of the Mets, whether it was Sandy that said throw Stroman out there, whether they said, hey, let's get the parking money in, let's get the concession money in, the beer money, and then and then suspend the game. There was no open window where it was not raining yesterday. I mean, all you have to go, literally, you go to your phone, Figgy. If, if you have an iPhone, I know you're, a, I don't know, on your Android, your, your Android life, what it's like. You go to iPhone, you click weather. Every hour, 90 to 100%. I, you know, I majored in broadcast journalism, not meteorology or whatever the major is for weather. And I could tell you that that game shouldn't have been played. So first it was a disgrace for it to start. They played seven minutes. Stroman was like, what's going on? Aguilar's at the plate. What's going on? Why are we doing this? And then finally, after a base runner and out, they call it and it's going to be a, uh, one of the stupid seven inning double headers in August, which I hate. Separate admission, all that. But Figgy. Why do you throw Stroman out there and not just Gazelman and an opener like Don Mattingly, a better manager than Luis Rojas? And why the hell was that game played? Well, I'm I'm very glad that you knew that meteorology was weather and not the study of meteors. So that's A. That's a B. I got a 3.0 in college. That, that wasn't like a 2.0 suit. I have a 3.0. As we, as we look forward to what this Mets team can be, we – brought it up very late in our season preview that Rojas is going to be a huge factor in this team. Um, and I'm, it's more than Rojas because this, this event shows you that it's not in his control. There's no way knowing what the weather is because he gets to see the Doppler just like everybody else did, just like Don Mattingly did and said, you know what? I think we're better off going with a reliever to start this game out so that if and when the rain comes and maybe there's a delay and then maybe you pick it up after the rain delay, then you can throw the starter in there, right? Because then you have that guy to give you the length that you need, the three, four, five innings because this, the opener went two. Don Mattingly handled it his way, and I am 1,000% sure that he has complete control over on that side as compared to on the Mets side. I don't have a reason why Stroman should have started that game. I really don't because whoever bought tickets, whoever came to the game, whoever was going to be at the game was not going to get to the game and go, oh, no, they're using an opener instead and go home. By that time, it's too late. So the gate was what it was. Um, concessions. Yes, they open it up and concessions are open. And that's what you, you know, you make some money off that. If we have the richest owner in all of baseball, he's not worried about the change in his uh, ashtray in his car worth of money he's going to get off the concessions for one inning game. To me, it was, I don't know if it's a breakdown of communication or, or this is where I say you have the game plan and then you have feel. A manager is supposed to be able to manage by feel. There's a game plan set in motion. There's a script, but this isn't wrestling. It doesn't turn out that way every single time. So you have to be able to say, hey, the storm looks really bad right as the game's going to begin. I'm not going to waste my starter because it's not that he only threw nine pitches or whatever it was in the first inning or or even how much did he warm up. 
it's all the preparation that went into the warming up. It's all the preparation of playing long toss, playing catch, then getting off the mound, throwing 50 to 60 pitches in the bullpen, throwing eight warm-up pitches before the game actually starts, then pitching on a sloppy, wet mound where, yes, Stroman was absolutely right. Thank goodness no one got hurt. And it wasn't a long enough game where somebody, you know, got on the base pass and fell or slipped. I've been a part of those. I've seen guys, you know, rounding third and slip on top of the base and, and get taken out and getting carted off because, you know, blew out a hamstring where we shouldn't be playing. But that's normally minor league stuff. At the major league level, up until the game is started, that is controlled by the team. Once the game is started, the umpires then can say, hey, enough's enough bring out the tarp or, and then bang the game. And that's what they did. But that's, again, it's a feel thing. There's no way Marcus Stroman should have been out there. And I even saw what ESPN tried to do by quote tweeting him, not a smart move to start him in the game. He never called out the Mets for it yet. ESPN yeah, put that. Yeah. ESPN put the headline is like, this was uh Stroman says not a smart move by Mets, which he didn't say. Yep. He never said that. He never said that. And, and it was not a smart move by all to start that game because you knew the weather that was coming in you knew if anything you start out with a rain delay to start the game that's happened before it's not the first time it's not going to be the last time but again these are learning learning uh, moments that Luis Rojas now has the ability to say hey that was a stupid move let's not do that again and hopefully you know it, they'll listen up in the front office I'd be cool if we didn't have learning moments this isn't you know the kiddie pool I, section I, you know I wish I wish I, I wish I could say it's going to be the last time that you'll hear us use that phrase and it's not going to be you know that you just know that it's not going to be because already in the season we can point out three to four times that managing the game a little bit differently could have been a different outcome there's a lot of would have could have should have and there's a lot of people sitting back going i would have i would have done that i would have done that but we don't know what kind of control is is being had over him being able to manage he has managed before and baseball is the same when you're in the professional ranks it's 60 foot mound 90 foot bases you know home runs are normally 300 plus, 400 plus to center field. The game is still the same in the minor league level to the major league level. He has managed before. He's managed in winter ball during playoff atmosphere, pressure situations. He was one of my coaches. So I know he knows the game of baseball. His family is, you know, one of the biggest, what is it, for the Aloos? Or the, the biggest, one of the biggest baseball families where you have these guys who have played a major amount of baseball. He has experienced a major amount of baseball. So it's not his baseball IQ that I'm questioning. I'm questioning whether he has the ability to make changes on the fly. And that's what I wonder. And we may never have the answer to that. And if it's the Mets front office, then bring in a manager who can't, who you trust to do that. And I think the Mets. We had are Peterson on though. Remember we had Peterson on and Peterson said a lot of things that, you know, there are things that Willie wasn't in control of and he wasn't in control of. There are things behind the scenes that we as fans and media, we're not privy to. We're not privy to. So you never get. You're never going to get unless you are actually in the room where it happened. Uh, that's right, Hamilton. If you're in the room where it happened, you're never going to get the true story of, of why things happen. You can just speculate. And that's what we do. We try to give our listeners this, that, and there's a third thing that you always have to kind of keep in mind. And I think that's what makes our podcast unique is that we use our own experiences and catching home run balls. Congrats again. I, I'm going to say it again. But we use our own experiences to really help the listener understand, hey, there's it's not as black and white as it seems. And that gray area is a huge thing. We're able to kind of go in that gray area and pick it out to try and maybe put some clarity to it. I am now qualified to be a replacement for Luis Rojas, thanks to catching my home run ball. My baseball <laughs> IQ is through the roof right now uh, after getting a ball and not throwing it back like smart fans should do, not idiotic fans who are dumb and, and fools and clowns and throw the ball back. Don't be a fool. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't throw balls back in the yeah, 
can't wait to see that PSA from you. Yeah. Do it on Twitter. Dare program by Jake Brown. <laughs> Don't throw balls on the field. You got to come up with an acronym for it. By the way, we're going to have Amazing But True shirts coming soon. I think we'll have some for promotional to give out potentially. And then eventually we would probably charge. I don't know. It might be like $20, but they, they do look pretty cool. Uh, so watch out for those. Uh, Ficky, it's the Mets and Phillies this week, a four-game set at City Field. Now, good luck. Let's hope they play because the forecast tonight, um, which Luis Rojas could have done on his iPhone, clicking the weather app and realizing to throw Robert Gazelman out there, is 90% chance of rain at City Field. So if you're going tonight, there probably won't be a game. Tuesday and Wednesday look good. And Thursday now is going to be uh, cold, 100% chance and 52 degrees. So they might only get two of these four in. There's going to be a lot of makeups and these April games and the schedule is really hurting the Mets early on. But remember, it is April. Don't jump off a window. Don't drop off a roof. Don't jump off my roof um, <laughs> and have a drink. You can smoke something. It's legal now in New York. Do that. Do what you got to do. But calm down because it's early. But these are, you know, in a long season, sometimes it's those couple decisions and games that do make a difference. But give the Mets a little break here because they've been going through a, a bizarre ride. Speaking of bizarre ride, Doc Gooden has gone through a bizarre ride in his life, but many ups in his career and a lot of them with the New York Mets. And Doc Gooden will join us next right here on Amazing But True. Joining us now is a friend of the program. Figgy, we might call him the best friend of the program because I think he's our first three-time guest. Uh, So... You know what that means, Doc? You will be getting an Amazing But True t-shirt that we are coming out with. So you will be the holder of that. You could sport Figgy, who you call Tomas Nito's uh, son, or he's he's Figgy's son, <laughs> on your shirt. And you could yeah. put fat, my, my fat bald head on a shirt. You'll get one when we see you. <laughs> it's 1986 Mets World Series champion, four-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion overall, 85 Cy Young Award winner. He pitched a no-hitter. He's a Mets Hall of Famer and a Rookie of the Year, Triple Crown winner. What didn't he do? It's Dwight, a.k.a. Doc Gooden. Doc, welcome back to the show. Now, you uh, you were in the news over the weekend. I So if you didn't know, you don't know, I caught the home run that was hit off Jacob DeGrom on Saturday by Jazz, Sh- Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, off a bounce, uh, I'll wow. say. I didn't catch it in the air, but it, a couple of bounces. And it was the only run he gave up, but it was a double-digit strikeout game, number 47 of his career, and he did pass none other than Doc Gooden with double-digit strikeouts. Are you going to be okay losing that spot to the best pitcher in baseball? Oh, definitely, definitely. Several things here. One, you got to get better seats than that. I would think you would have better seats. <laughs> it's a pandemic, Doc. It's COVID. What well, do you, you want me to do? Seats. You don't got no pull, <laughs> Doc. Yeah. He's got no pull. Yeah, I got no Doc Gooden pull oh, here. Yeah, definitely. But uh other thing is uh and then two, I, I love getting this uh t shirt at the end of very next to you guys, but Figgy actually owes me Ruth Chris as well. So I figured you guys know Ruth Chris in there as well. That's right. And then um and then what you said about uh DeGro, man, yeah, I'm okay with that. He's definitely the best pitcher. I think he's been the best pitcher in baseball the last three years and he's off to another great start. It's just very sad. The tough that he can't get runs for him. That's the only thing missing, you know, from his resume is, is wins. Definitely nominate, and yeah, he beat past me. I was aware of that, and you know, I, I knew it was coming sooner or later with this guy. I mean, I, I look for him, especially if they start getting some runs. He probably break all the pitcher records. I mean, this guy has that type of stuff. And it seems like every year he's getting better and better. 
it's amazing the things that he's doing day in and day out. Yeah, Doc, I know one of the things you love to talk about is how, you know, you had a potent bat in the lineup. So it was more like nine sluggers in the lineup rather than eight in a pitcher. So you can feel that frustration from Jacob DeGrom of having to do everything by yourself every fifth day. How did that work for you when those those times were as hard as that to come by for scoring runs? Uh, it is very tough. You know, from a, from a mental standpoint, when you take the mound when it's going like that, and you hate to take that first, but, you know, you're only human and you go out there pitching, you, you know the champs already never get anything, you know, no run support, there's no breathing room. Every inning is almost like the ninth inning. You take that approach, and then if you're just swing the bat a little bit or fear you have a chance, like every time I, I mean, I wasn't the best hitting pitcher, but I thought I was okay. When I was bad, you know, I might be going for the home runs. You don't want to think that way, but, you know, you're just hoping that, they hang your slider or curveball like that was my pitch to hit out the park. Or hey, curveball or hey, I'm slider. And you have to go for it. It's sad that you go that way because as a pitcher, National League, American League, especially nationally, you're thinking, get these guys out, keep it close. I got a chance, especially with the lineup that the Mets have. I don't understand it. The only thing I can think of is these guys must be pressing. That's that's what I think. They're probably pressing real hard. They definitely are aware they're not scoring any runs for going on through last three years. It's been talked about all over the place. And I have to feel that these guys are actually up there pressing, trying to get hit home runs trying to go because instead of just trying to stay within yourself, set the table and make things happen, but they have to be present. But from the growth standpoint, I give him a lot of credit to still take the same mile approach, keep the same face of um, face pressure on the mound and pitch in and at the end when he knows chances are he's not going to get much to work with. So I give him a lot of credit for still doing his thing. Yeah, and you were a good hitter. And DeGrom, it's every time he gets on base, like he started a rally uh, on Saturday and they left runners on, no one out, they couldn't get a run in. It's start after starter after start. And Doc, I will say, I actually like sitting up in the Coke corner in the first row. It's kind of fun up there. The issue for me is that they only have the generic hot dogs and chicken tenders up there. I don't have the <laughs> ultimate food selection. I don't have the pastrami. I don't have the steak up there. So I got to, my fat well, ass got to walk downstairs to get all the good food. That's what I don't like, and you know, you know that. You get what you pay for, Jake. <laughs> hey, I hear you. At the park, you definitely got to have one of those Shake Shack burgers. That's my favorite. Well, I'm at the park. All the food's great. I love all the food, but the Shake Shack burgers are my favorite. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually, hopefully, the weather permitting, I'll get a chance to see the grown pitch Thursday. Um, I'll be at the ballpark to watch him, so hopefully it all works out that uh, weather permitted and to get things turned around for him and for the team. I mean, they got a good team. They got to start playing better than that. Offense is there. Being a fan of the Mets and obviously a man at heart, you know, you always build a bias and you look to justify things. So I'm hoping and thinking maybe when they had the delay of the start of the season, that's that slowed the offense up a little bit in the time of golf. But now it's been, you know, four weeks. So hopefully get it going this week. Hopefully get things turned around a little bit. Yeah. You know, Doc, I remember there was a story about you hurt your arm uh, throwing. It was either warming up in the rain or throwing a bullpen in the rain. And you you were on the shelf because of it, right? What happened was it was Buddy Harrison's first game as a manager, and you know normally spring training, you know you're in Port St. Lucie, you may throw you may throw six innings, maybe you may throw eighty pitches by then, you know not not more than that, and it's you know it's eighty five degrees, whatever. Opening day, we're playing the Phillies at home. You know, it's, it's like twenty degrees, light drizzle the whole game. I threw nine innings, hundred thirty some pitches, and that's that term I was going to cut on. Before that, I never had any arm problems. I never iced my arm or did anything. And that was the start of, you know, everything just changed. And I was never the same after that. You know, everything changed. I just was scared to throw my curveball after that. It's a real hard curve. I didn't learn the slider because I wouldn't snap it off. And, you know, it's a big difference, especially when starting pitchers when, when the weather's that way. And now, these guys, even they, they now they only, you know, going five, six innings or whatever because that's the way they have it. Still, 
with the weather, the way it is, it's tough, especially for the pitchers. And then last year, you know, you played two months. So you got to be real careful the injuries with the starting pitchers this year and the relievers being overused. What do you think of Marcus Stroman? He's a guy who makes a lot of headlines. I love it. I think he's got swagger and moxie of New York. He's from New York. But, you know, he has people who critique him for being outspoken on social media. Do you like his demeanor, and do you think he can be a recipe uh, to success in the long term for the Mets? He's on that one-year deal, but do you think he's a guy that you could see being here as a Met for the long term? I like him. Um, I like him as a competitive. And like I say, now it's just a different generation um, with the social media and athletes in general. Um, all sports, these guys are doing that. But, you know, he's doing it. big on social media. But he goes out and competes every day. And from what I hear, he's a great guy in the clubhouse and they all cheering guys on or what have you. And I think you got to have that type of mindset, especially in New York. Um, New York, you got to be a little different, you know. And figure, you know, that plan here. You got to be tough, man. You got to have some tough skin playing here. You know, dealing with the media, dealing with the fans, the expectations, and all this stuff here, man. They let you know. So, you know, I'm sure he's aware of that. He's from New York and he's up for the challenge. But, it, you know, sometimes it could backfire a little bit. I think we got a big on social media and play sports, especially in a big market like New York. But I think he's one guy that can handle that. I mean, he seems like a, you know, easygoing, free spirit guy with a lot of energy. And maybe the team, I always say, in New York, you got to have a guy on the team like that that brings that energy that keeps his guys loose. He's very loose and easy going, but very competitive on the mound. So I think he'll do well. Hopefully, he's here for a long time past this year as well. Yeah, I think it'll be good. And you, you must like your chop stock or, or maybe just SMH, shake your head. When you think of Bauer and, and DeGraw making 30 to 40 million, if you pitch in today's age, I mean, my goodness. I mean, you'd be up in the Taj Mahal. You'd be just living the best life, making 30 to $40 million a year. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, it's crazy, man. With the salary, every year. I mean, I remember going back, I think, Kaseko. I might have been Kaseko the first guy to get hit me in, I believe. I'm not sure. But you, you figure, okay, nobody's going to top that. Then, you know, a guy comes and gets 15. And it goes on and on. Now, you're at, like you just said, 30, 40 is like when do it stop? Amazing. The day and age with the money they're making. But I still works for the guys before me. Like, you know, Mickey Mantle and Yogi and those guys, because those guys had to get jobs during the offseason. And to me, those guys who set the table for baseball, I mean, those guys, not that, you know, my generation or the generation that was not real baseball players, but back then, that was hardcore baseball. I mean, these guys, they had the true rivalries. You know, there's no fraternizing with other players and stuff like that. These guys set the way, you know. So I feel worse for those guys, opposed to my generation, what these guys make it. But at the same time, you know, I took my hat to the guys for the money they're getting. They're paying it to them. You got to take it, I guess. But this is a total, total different game. And somewhere they gotta, it's got to stop somewhere in there, I would think. I don't know. We always want to see the players pushing the envelope and getting paid those dollars. I'm never against that. At the same time, it just doesn't make sense that a guy who pitches once every five days and has had the track record of, yes, he's been terrible at times, and he has two good years under his belt. And you go and you set the bar for ownership all across baseball. You set the bar at $40 million now. And they're going to have free agents who are going to come out and say, I've had a better career than him thus far. And I pitched better than him over the 11 game Cy Young. So, yeah, it's a it's a hot mess. I used to make fun of Jonathan Neese when he got paid his contract. And not that he made a billion dollars, but I used to turn around, turn around to him and say, man, you made more money than Sandy Koufax. Do you know that? You made, oh, man, Jonathan Neese made more money than Sandy Koufax. But you're right. They said the bar so high. I mean, that's crazy. And you're right. It's only two months. Two months, this guy, look at his numbers, his career numbers, and even, you know, 2020 is nothing that really blows you away. But you can't tell me two months sample. Now this guy, they're figuring, like, he's coming to his own. Now he's, you know, got with a half dollar. This is what you're going to see. I'm not buying that. I'm totally not buying that. And then, like you say, it could be his own worst enemy with the social media. Like, going back and forth with fans and all this stuff, distraction. 
And you're right. If you had been in New York doing this stuff with the social media and the salary that he has, unfortunately, it, you know, it'd be tough. Somebody will find something to get him upset or get him going, and then it becomes a whole distraction to the whole team. So I'm actually, you know, I'm happy for Barry, the money he got. You know, God bless him. But I think the Mets and being a Mets fan, I think they did the right thing by passing on that. Uh, Doc Gooden is with us for a few more minutes here on Amazing But True. You can follow him on Twitter at Doc Gooden 16. His his kids are balling when your kids is playing football. He's an ex-Michael Strahan over here. Got a couple sacks over the weekend. So I, I know you got to be a proud father right now, huh? Oh, yeah, it's a good feeling, man. Watching his kids, I probably get more nervous watching my kids play than when I play because when your kids are playing, you have no control of that. You just cheer them on. You want to see them do well. And obviously, playing football, you want to stay healthy. But yeah, um, Saturday, he had a great game playing against one of his old schools. And, you know, he had two sites. Four, two, four big tackles, solo tackles, and a bunch of team tackles. But um, he's a sophomore playing varsity football for good council in Maryland. He loves it. Got some schools, sending letters. So he's excited about it. Perfect size for a pitcher, six six, you know, 190. But he hates baseball. I can't figure it out. And like we just talked about the salaries. I'm like, son, do you see opportunities here? I mean, give it a shot. You never know. But now, most important thing is education. But I'm, I'm happy for him. He's happy. He loves the game. He plays basketball, too. But football is his true love. So we'll see what happens. But it was a great weekend. You could have said, son, in 10 years, you could pay for me, put me in a nursing home, and have me set for life if you play baseball. (laughs) Football, one injury, and he's screwed. So, you know, baseball, you know, one contract set for life. Look at Francisco Lindor. Now he's set as a New York Met uh, for the rest of his life, Doc. Uh, One more question before we let you go. Uh, Back on DeGrom, because he's the big story and – you know, and him passing your record is where does he rank to you amongst the greatest pitchers you have ever seen in terms of his stuff? Oh, wow. Well, it's the greatest pitcher I've ever seen. Greatest pitchers i ever seen. Wow. I'll have to put him right there. I mean, besides the win loss, everything else, he would probably be the top guy. The only thing setting him apart from, say, like a Pedro Martinez, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, myself in 84-85, I would say this is win-loss record. Take that away outside of that, everything else. He's got to be top one, too, I think. He's right there. I mean, the command of his stuff, the way he uses his pitches, the way he types his pitches. I mean, tight hitters, tight the weaknesses. I mean, day in and day out. This guy, if he gets up three runs, you think he was hurt or something was happening, something was wrong. For me, he's definitely, even without the win-loss I would have to put him in top five of all-time pitches that I've seen in my time. We might have to call you Doc Stradamus or Dwight Stradamus because we had you on the show last year, and, and you said that Yoannis Cespedes may get blackballed from the league for how he handled the opt-out. And look what happened, Doc. He has not been contacted by one single team. So if you want to pick my Mega no, Millions numbers himself, tonight man. and win the lottery, then you could do it, Doc. We have to do it. But, but, you know, the guys, I mean, you're right. I, you can see that coming. And I guys always tell young players, man, you got to look at that. When you play Major League Baseball, you put that uniform on. Yes, you earned it, but look at it as a privilege because so many different guys out there, so many kids want to be in position. Don't cheat the game. Don't cheat yourself or your family. You know, that's always my thing. I just felt like it's just my opinion that what he did last year wasn't right. Wasn't right for the game. Wasn't right for the organization. What, he, what he's going through now, I hate to say it, but he put himself in that position. Doc could pick who my my future wife. He could he could pick my health plan, maybe my lottery numbers, and uh, get get things together and uh, call it a day in the future. Dwight Gooden, follow him on Twitter at Doc Gooden sixteen, friend of the program. Doc, we will definitely catch up with you later in the season. We hope we'll see you at City Field having a Shake Shack this year. Yes, sir. Sounds good. You guys keep doing a good job, man. I love doing your show.
That says au revoir to episode 42. That's right. The Mo Vaughn edition. One of my favorites of Amazing But True. Our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake and Brian Mugia, for producing the show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write in a nice review if you're using Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Thursday with special guest Hank Azaria after the Mets finish their four-game set at City against the Phillies. Enjoy the games, and let's go Mets.